It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Pumped hydro. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Climate Solutions Show. Coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcasts on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. My name is Kay Wenigal and I'm joined today by my co-host Michael Steindl. Hi Kay. Hi Mike. So we've had a number of solar PV installation stories on this show, but here today we've got one with a bit of a difference. Stucker Housing Cooperative is a social housing apartment block heritage listed in Newtown and that's become one of the most the first multi-dwelling buildings in Australia to install a shared solar and battery storage system. Stucker was originally established to address the growing need for genuinely affording student housing in Sydney. It prides itself on its democratic principles of self-management and stands as a strong counterexample to the prevailing assumption of nearly all rental accommodation. Speaking to us today from Stucco is Sarah King, the media and community organiser, and Bjorn Sturmberg, the project manager. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Bjorn. Welcome to the show. Hi, hello. G'day. The name Stucco, Sarah, comes from the student cooperative rather than the architectural style, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a good <laughs> question. Yeah, um, I didn't actually know that it was an architectural feature, feature <laughs> until I started having to Google Stucco. But yeah, it, it's definitely student cooperative. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell our listeners what you mean by cooperative housing? Yeah, sure. So um, basically all of the people that live here, there's 40 uni students, um, all of us tenants are also managers of the building. So we meet together once a fortnight and organise all aspects of managing the building. So whether that's the finances and doing an audit or building and maintenance or, um, you know, recruiting new members when someone moves out, we do all that. So instead of like a strata group or body corporate, we all cooperate and, yeah, contribute to making it run. And so tell us about the building itself. How's that configured in terms of the size of it and the student numbers and units? Yeah, so um, there's 40 students that live here and we live in eight apartments, so five to each unit. But it's quite an unusual building, I suppose. It used to be a glass factory and when it got turned into stucco, it, it was sort of converted and so it's still got a sort of warehouse element, I suppose. And in the middle, we've got a central courtyard and all of the units' kitchens extend out onto that courtyard. So it's a very open, kind of green, leafy courtyard, which is a nice social space. And, yeah, and we've also got, like, a main hall as well where we have our meetings. And we're just 10 minutes away from Sydney Uni where everyone studies. So tell us how this works with the students. You've got four different groups, haven't you, that you divide the students into? Yes, yep. So we've got four committees. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like finance is one, building and maintenance, membership, and then also problems and administration. Interesting one, um, or, or administration and problems. So <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Now that we've got the structure of it, how did the decision to install the solar PV come about, guys? Yeah. Um, so it was a couple of summers ago now. It was actually, yeah, quite a while ago that we had the idea. Um, and I, well, Sucker had looked into getting solar um, on a number of occasions over the last kind of five, ten years. Um, but we never had the finances. Um, so it's a, the people living here don't pay all that much rent. That's kind of the idea of it being affordable housing. So there's a limit to the budget of the cooperative. Um, and we couldn't afford to just pay for solar outright ourselves. Um, and because it's quite a complicated situation, it's not super straightforward. Um, and what really changed our confidence and our enthusiasm for tackling the problem was finding out about um, some grants from the City of Sydney um, that call Environmental Performance Innovation Grants. Um, and upon reading about those and reading the criteria around them, we're like, oh, this perfectly describes the sort of um, project that we want to undertake, although the kind of the problem that we're faced um, at Stucco being an apartment block and wanting to go solar. That's the problem, and now this grant perfectly describes kind of or gives us the enthusiasm to tackle that problem. Okay, and that resulted eventually in um, December last year in 30 kilowatts of solar panels on the roof and 36 um, 1.2 kilowatt batteries, giving you 42.3 uh, kilowatt hours of storage capacity. So t- uh, tell us the process you went through to get to that result. Yeah, I mean, this is good. Yeah, this this can take the rest of the podcast and then another two years to talk about. Um, the, well, just how, how did you start organising it? Yeah, so we start. That's a that's a good place to start. Um, so it started in a very stucco fashion. The, we talked about it at the general meetings of the co-op, and then a bunch of students, including myself, um, Sarah, and particularly this other guy who was living here, Louis. Um, kind of put up our hands, like, yeah, this is a great thing. We'll dedicate some time towards it, kind of as part of our um, commitment to the co-op. Like, that's mm-hmm. how this place works. It, things initiate by students initiating them and then um, dedicating time to them. Um, and you're giving, and you're giving back, in a sense, to the, the for the um, cheap accommodation you've got through the co-op. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the, the absolutely idea. primary idea of it being a cooperative. Um, we can keep costs low by doing the work ourselves, mm-hmm. um, and then the and at this yeah, and then we were um, successful in getting the grant from the city of Sydney, um, and then we let get to got to work in trying to tackle first of all the technical side of the problem, like how would we actually share? Well, how it, installing solar is very straightforward. So, yep, we'll install solar. We've got this mm-hmm. amazing. Big, flat, sunny roof. Solar goes there. That's a no-brainer. It's unshaded. Um, But then how do we sort out the sharing of that solar electricity um, and how do we include batteries into that um, system? Because the the students here all go to uni and they all go to uni during the day. So our demand um, profiles, so um, when electricity is used in the building, is quite heavily of, of the evening time. So that was the motivation for including batteries. Um, mm-hmm. And that those um, technical problems were kind of solved, um, let's say, over the summer, over the first kind of two, three months. We kind of got a lot of input and advice from different tech experts and professors at the university who we, um, were really helpful and generous with their time. Um, and 
Yeah, things were things were looking good after the summer. Um, at that <laughs> at that point, everything changed. Yeah, and at that point, um, I had finished my studies, and Louis had also finished his degree, so we both moved out. Um, but then continued. We kind of sunk enough time into this project, and were still enthusiastic enough that we continued. And then face kind of the, the bigger challenges of the, the regular, regulatory side of the picture. So just before we keep going through the details of the system, um, you just said we got the grant, um, but behind that a story, it's an innovation grant. What is innovative about it? Why did Sydney decide that um, this was an innovative project? Yeah, and, and so the other thing about getting that grant is that we really thought that getting there was our application was maybe ran to 30 pages or so. It delayed my um, me handing in my thesis. <laughs> delayed, um, Just an excuse, boy. Yeah, so we really thought that was like a mammoth achievement and like the pinnacle of the work we would do. We're like, yep, we, and then we were awarded the grant. We're like, this is great. We're legends. This is all done. Sweet. Um, and it really had just been us signing ourselves into something that we didn't know what it would turn into. Um, but to your um, actual question, the thing that's, innovative about um, the system is that there's no apartment blocks in Australia um, that have solar and batteries installed in them. That's like the really simple version um, of the answer. Yep. And so is the batteries the innovative part or is it even just getting solar panels on? Sorry, it's, um, yeah, it's, there's two factors. So I guess the fact that we are an apartment building, first of all, mm. um, overcomes that split incentive problem between landlords and tenants. Um, I don't. Do, do you know what I'm talking about with that? Or? Yeah, well, explain it for right. people. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, split incentive is basically um, <clears throat> if a landlord owns a building and they wanted to put solar on it, it would cost them a lot of money, first of all, but then they wouldn't get any of the benefits of solar energy. Um, they, they would only flow onto the tenants. And so they're sort of locked out of doing that on their own apartment. And then the tenants inside, if they wanted to put solar on, they can't do it themselves, um, like financially. And also if they're renting, they're probably going to move out. Mm. So both of these parties are sort of locked out of committing to solar. So, yeah. yeah so it's a, a, a total mismatch this, there. And, and that's stopped exactly, in... in motivations. Yeah, yeah. So despite both parties like maybe wanting solar, there's not really, yeah, um, an opportunity for that. So our idea was that, um, w- that we would have a power purchase agreement between Stucco and the tenants. So the tenants are paying their electricity bills directly to Stucco as opposed to AGL or, you know, an external company. And so for Stucco, which is sort of like the body corporate of a building, um, that's providing an income stream and mm-hmm. so eventually the panels get paid off and then after that it's yeah it is just an income stream to help manage the building so, so Stucco actually took on the the cost of the installation and you had a grant along with that can you tell us what the difference between the grant and the actual cost of the installation was and what's the expected payback period yeah so Stucco put in um 50 grand of our own funds and the payback period is going to be eight years. Oh, sorry, oh, that was okay. the grant was for eighty thousand. Oh, eighty thousand. So together it was one hundred thirty thousand dollars with right. the total budget. So fifty thousand um, is a fair bit to raise as a cooperative, I would imagine. It is. It's um, yeah. So yeah, it was fifty thousand still just out of the operating budget of the, the cooperative, and it is a lot more than um, it was planned. But doing something innovative like this, we ended up having 
um, the cost, particularly around um, how to house the batteries um, and a few things around heritage listing kind of blew the budget a bit mm-hmm. um, to be a bit bigger than or inflated it to be bigger than we planned. But it's still the payback period. There's kind of two payback periods. There's the payback period if we considered the whole $130,000 cost mm-hmm. or just the cost of the cooperative. And those run somewhere in the order of, yeah, like let's say six to eight years for um, just the cooperative. And then if we hadn't have gone the grant, it would be over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I do need to add to that, that the payback period is so long. Well, it's not one of the factors really. contributing to the payback period being longer um, is that Stucco is charging its tenants and members um, ele- like really discounted electricity prices. Oh, okay. Somewhere more than 20%. Okay. Oh, you are a true cooperative. So, so you could hit your residents harder and get a more um, commercial payback period, but you're choosing yeah. not to do that. That just on yeah, that roughly eight years or seven to eight years for your fifty thousand part of it versus the whole hundred and thirty thousand. You're saying a bit over ten years. I would have expected it to jump up a lot more for the whole lot. Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, it's a, it's a well. I would say it's less. And the other reason why I'm giving. Um, vague numbers here is that our prices, the prices of the cooperative charges is in the end we came to an agreement with the Australian Energy Regulator of how we would set those prices and it's set relative to what happens or it's like um, benchmark to what happens in the retail electricity market. Mm -hmm. So there's a fair amount of uncertainty. If prices continue to increase at 20% per annum Uh as they are in the moment, the payback period is going to be significantly less than five years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, but if we can get that under control, then it's going to be more in the order of somewhere between six to eight. Um, and yeah, if it was, if you consider the whole $130,000, it's going to be, I said, over 10 years, so more like 12 to 15. Another factor to quickly mention is um, the $130,000 that it cost, we also got pretty much nearly that amount uh, in pro bono legal help, so, oh, which was, yeah, really key to overcoming all these regulatory challenges, um, having professionals help us out with that. And, yeah, that's partly because one of the lawyers used to work... Mm. Uh, sorry, used to live at Stucco yep. and now works as a lawyer. Fantastic. And so that's good to hear. Her connection to the <laughs> place, um, yeah, helped us out a lot in setting us up with program and legal support. So, yeah, that, that was a big help. Great. For those that have just joined us... This is the BZE Climate Solutions Show, and we're talking to Sarah King and Bjorn Stromberg about the Stucco Co-op solar and battery installation in Newtown. Now, um, just following on from that point that you just made, the New South Wales wholesale electricity prices doubled in the last year, I understand, from about $60 per megawatt hour to over $120 per megawatt hour. So that must make your investment a lot more um, palatable. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the... um reason why retailers um, like retailers of electricity have now increased their retail and uh, uh, commercial tariffs as well mm. um, yeah yeah and, and so the the more those prices increase and the more also to be fair that um, feed in tariffs increase um, because stuff does still export a fair amount of electricity in the summer uh, the more those things increase the better our payback period becomes yeah um, and the other thing just as a um, as a point on terms of payback, um, I really think, and this is not just my personal opinion, it's kind of within the, the industry a bit, um, payback is one thing, but then 
these this is really an investment that's going to stay stuck for I don't know, thirty years with uh, for mm. the, with the solar and I don't know ten years with at the, least ten years, with, ten the years hopefully with the with the battery. So it's really um, I prefer to cast in terms of what is your rate of return mm. rather than your payback period because payback period kind of cuts your your vision short. You're like, all right, yep. this is when it's payback, yep. and then you don't think about the future beyond that. Yeah, that's right. And I also understand that the solar bonus scheme in New South Wales ended last year, at the end of the year, didn't it? Yeah, that that, that, that closed to new new installations years ago, so we were never going oh, to be okay. eligible. Oh, okay. And so it's the fact that a lot of other people in New South Wales lost their PFIT, um, the feed-in tariff, that's uh, irrelevant because you couldn't have, you weren't anywhere near getting it. Yeah, we were never going to yeah. get those 60 cents. Bjorn, you mentioned the AER, the Australian Energy Regulator, before. Um, in some of the write-ups of, of this project, um, you talk about a chicken and egg problem there. Can you go into that a bit more? Because it, it is relevant, I think, to others with apartment situations. Yeah, so that I used that line in an article that I wrote in the conversation um, just a week or so ago, um, and which is called, I think, Get In On, Get in on the Ground Floor. Um, not my title, but if you Google that, you should find it. Yep. Um, and in the chicken and egg section of that, I kind of described there's this tension between um, apartments that want to follow to do the same thing that Stucco did, um, and the AR, the Australian Energy Regulator, and how they see the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should, before describing this complication, I should say that's the apartments wanting to do the, exactly the same thing that Stucco did which in that article I very much recommend that you don't do. As Sarah pointed out, it costs, would have cost us an awful lot um, in legals to, to do this, to successfully convert the building into an embedded network where we share all of our electrical resources. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it is really, straight, it is really um, viable for apartments to get solar just by um, wiring solar into either the common area, the shared electrical circuit, or into each one of the units individually. Um, but on the AER front, or realistically, more specifically, on the embedded network front, there's this tension between if you live in an embedded network, like, say, in a new um, high-rise apartment, they'll, you won't buy your electricity from a grid retailer and you don't have the choice of which retailer you buy it from. You have to buy it from an embedded network management company that um, controls the local electricity network within that building. And that's a situation that... The AR and and more generally is seen as a bit troublesome because you don't have this choice. You you live under a monopoly retailer mm-hmm. um, who can then exercise their their monopoly powers. But the embedded networks also do offer the best possible way for an apartment block to go solar in the, the ideal sense because now Stucco, if um, Sarah goes away for a week um, and isn't drawing any electricity out of her apartment or she shares the apartment with four others, but say yep. they all leave. Yep. Then that electricity isn't just sold back to the grid for, I don't know, 10 cents per kilowatt hour. Instead, it um, goes to a different unit, and that mm-hmm. way you get the best utilisation of the system. I think so the, the, way the that, description is the pot of gold behind the meter where you're actually displacing buying expensive electricity, so it's worth a lot more to you behind the meter there. Yeah, and in our case, we now all of these apartments now live behind the one meter. Yep. So that's that's the the great thing, and and we set we save in connection charges um, rather than each one of the units paying a dollar a day. Um, so eight, there's only now one um, one do- there's only one meter, so there's only one dollar per day that's 
being mm. charged there. And yeah. the other side of why electricity bills are going up is it's not just about wholesale electricity prices and what you're paying for energy. It's also what you're paying for the fixed charges that are um, network charges that you pay every day. Um, and so Stucco is also really well positioned to not carry the burden of that or not get exposed, isn't exposed to that risk as much of them going up. Mm, good. So on the technical side, you went with an Enphase system. Um, tell us why you chose that and the actual parameters of it. I understand that system is the largest single installation of Enphase batteries. In the world in or the in world, Australia? Yeah, in the, in the world, I believe. Wow. Uh, very much was installed. Congratulations. Because <laughs> there's a lot of Enphase stuff out there. Yeah, and they, they've been um, very supportive of this project. Mm-hmm. The the kind of simple um, reason for, in the end, we ran a tender process and in the end settled on that system because it's one company that kind of integrates both the solar and the batteries into one, um, mm-hmm. into one. whereas at the time, and this, this is changing, there's kind of more um, companies moving towards that kind of offering that sort of service. But at the time, which is now over a year ago, you would either, you would generally have to buy solar from, but there's one company installing it for you, mm-hmm. but they're sourcing equipment from, one company for the solar, another company for the inverters, another company for batteries, possibly another company for the battery inverter. Um, and then that whole system, you kind of have to hope that that whole system communicates well with each other and plays well with each other. Yep. Um, whereas in the end phase case, it's the one company. They don't make the solar panels, um, but they do make the microinverters that draw the electricity out of the panel. And so as soon as you get that electricity, everything else is then designed and, and built and managed um, speaks the same software language, and that was seen as, as really advantageous. And I, I have to say, in, in retrospect, I um, am very pleased that we made that choice. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with the term microinverter, it's where every panel has its own little inverter to, straight to 240 volts on it, and it's just a case of plugging them together. Um, so you don't have some of the problems you have with string arrays where one panel can bring down the performance of the whole array. They're not connected in series. But, but and the, the, contrary um, to that, uh, or the, the, the flip side is you pay more to have all these micro-inverters than one bigger inverter. True. The other nice thing for Stucco is that it moves a whole bunch of the heat that is produced by inverters out of the very fire-sensitive area that um, we okay. would have put the inverter into and instead puts it up onto the roof where it's well-ventilated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was another advantage, particularly because we've got heritage listed issues here and we also have some water supply issues in terms of our um, sprinkler system. So it's, we're very, very um, cautious around that. Yeah. So the, the total system I, th- I think I covered before was 114 panels at 30 kilowatt hours. I thought, sorry, 30 kilowatt um, 30 peak kilowatts. capacity. But your batteries, you've got 36 of just over one kilowatts each, um, giving you a 42.3 kilowatt hour of, of battery storage. Does that take you far into the evening? Bill? Yeah, obviously it would depend which day, but <laughs> yeah, it does, does. It depends on the season a lot. In the in the end, we're now running over three quarters independent of the grid, so over seventy six percent of our energy comes that people actually use. That's quite it high. It was either it's yeah, it's very high. Oh. In the summer, we also had a lot of days where we didn't tap into the grid at all. Yeah, yeah, mm. not quite. Where we didn't, where we didn't or tap into, where we three a.m. or something. Yeah, in Summer, because it's light for long, till later, mm-hmm. um, 
we had a few days where the batteries lasted us all the way through the night. But in general, the more typical thing is that the batteries last till somewhere between 1am and 4am. You've got to, you've got to also um, admit to people that that's partly because there's no air conditioning in these poor student digs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it helps a lot that um, Stucco doesn't have air conditioning yet and doesn't have an electric hot water system. We have a um, gas hot water system that's shared amongst um, everyone who lives here. Yeah, there's not, there's not huge electrical loads in the building, really. There's no lift, say, there's no um, car park fans or anything like that. So getting back to the whole reason for doing this, how much does a student actually save? I know it's early days, but have you been able to calculate that? Yeah, we're looking at a 20% saving on bills that we were paying before. That's pretty good. Which is quite significant for a uni student because you know, most of us are living on you know, youth allowance, studying full-time, um, yeah, living in an expensive city as well. So that really does make quite a difference to us. And actually, that was the twenty percent that we were looking at in well, in the month till now. And so, with electricity prices increasing um, by twenty percent in New South Wales, that and stockers prices are not increasing with that. So, um, at least not immediately. There is, like I said, this this pegging mechanism to retail prices, um, but that saving is only going to become more substantial. So we've only got a minute, folks. But um, you did say that in one of your statements, that the state and federal governments don't seem to be doing much for climate change, so we do feel like we've made a difference by demonstrating a project that's been done before. Your trailblazers, and it sounds like it was a lot of hard work getting it organised. Um, how do you feel now, and how do the other students feel? Uh-huh. Um, it, it's all been very surreal, but I think my main take-home is that while governments aren't really taking proper action and we've got bigger, you know, a darn it, they're going in the complete wrong direction. I honestly do think that community projects and locally based groups and grassroots efforts are going to lead the, um, you know, climate change revolution and climate justice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so we're yep. like, just like us, well, smaller groups should well, get Well done, it. guys. That's, that's really fantastic mm-hmm. what you've done. We've been talking to Sarah King and Bjorn Stromberg about the trailblazing solar PV and battery installation at Stucco Apartments in Newtown, Sydney. Sarah and Bjorn, the best place to go would be stucco.org.au to find out more? Um, yeah, probably the best is our Facebook page, Facebook but you can page? find that on stucco.org. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That's great. Thank you very much. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, then you can go to bze.org.au and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and would like to donate, just go to the BZE website and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and hope to catch you again next week. It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.